Hello, and welcome to Activating Sustainability, the Anthesis Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Peterson, and we hope you're all doing well. Over the summer, my daughter and I visited a hobby farm, which was both fun and a great reminder of what is often, at least for me, a hidden part of our economy and the environment, the whole agricultural sector. So to help shed some light on the sector, the system, and its contributions to the net zero ambitions, I'm joined today by two of our Anthesis experts, Simon Davis, Sustainable Agricultural Practice Lead out of the UK, and Aaron Cowan, Associate Director and Retail and Consumer Products Lead for North America. Honor and Simon, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Hello, morning. So to start, as someone who probably doesn't spend nearly as much time thinking about agriculture as I should, can you help me to understand why there's so much discussion about it and if there really should be more than there is? Yeah, great. Great question, uh, Chris, and maybe uh, if I focus on food and Anna can give her a parallel perspective on this. I mean, I think there's a couple of reasons why ag has such a focus, but also requires even more focus going forward around our net zero ambitions. So firstly, the scale of the challenge, right? So agriculture globally accounts for around 12% of total global greenhouse gas emissions. So at uh, an international level, if governments are going to have a material impact on their emissions reductions targets aligned to the likes of Paris Agreement, then agriculture has to be a key area of focus. And from some of the work that we do with the corporate level, working with retailers and developing their greenhouse gas inventories, we find that agriculture typically accounts for around 30% of their total footprint. So there is a real business case already to to tackle those emissions. You know, you focus on that 30% and you can unlock significant commercial value throughout the chain and support farmers become more productive, but also more responsible. And with growing consumer awareness on the role of climate change and the role of food in driving emissions, but also reducing emissions. I think brands can get real great positive brand recognition by working with their their value chains to mitigate some of that impact. So I think, you know, the scale of the challenge is important. I think we also really need to recognise that that challenge is not static. It's evolving. So food production and consumption is dynamic. We need to feed a growing population and with that our climate is changing so our ability to grow the food at pace and scale required will become more challenging and with the growing demand for food there's also going to be greater competition for land. So all those things have an impact on our ability to remove that 12% emissions that I talked about at the start. Oh no, I don't know whether you've got a view from the apparel perspective. Yeah, I think it's important to also think about this whole system as extending out from just the, the produce, the fresh fruit and vegetables that kind of spring to mind when we're talking about agriculture. It's the meat, obviously, and other food that is being produced and it's also the raw materials that are going into the apparel sector the home sector textiles 
you know, we're talking about cotton here, we're talking about wood pulp going into viscose, we're talking, you know, even down to rattan, to alpaca wool, you know, this is a really, really big part of our daily lives in what we are consuming, not just into our bodies, but also on our bodies. And I think that also helps to when we're thinking about agriculture to kind of amplify the importance of it in our daily lives. Great. Yeah, you've certainly got my attention. So Simon, you spoke about consumer awareness of this and kind of I've got a long way to go in that front, but we'll be curious kind of what are some of the other drivers that you all are seeing, say from regulatory perspective or other key stakeholders or investors? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, while we presented the scale of the challenge, I think that it's clear that agriculture also is a critical part of a solution to climate change. And we shouldn't forget that. So particularly through soil and its ability to catch and sequester carbon. And so, you know, I think we're seeing more and more different parts of the system that rely on agriculture, seeing net zero as an opportunity to create new value. So you talked about legislation, Chris. I mean, there are a whole host of government setting net zero ambitions, not necessarily knowing how they're going to meet those ambitions because it's incredibly complicated, but largely due to a real shift in citizens' mindsets, you know, wanting climate justice, holding more governments to account and governments reacting reacting to that. I mean, I think consumers play a key role in the shift in mindset for brands. So you're seeing more brands set ambitious targets around agriculture and emissions reductions, removals, somewhat to satisfy the growing demand for more sustainable products to market, but also partly being reactive to a greater investor focus and more and more investors placing great importance on the sustainability credentials of their investments. A number of examples in Brazil, you know, Scandinavian banks divesting away from animal feed, livestock organizations that are linked to deforestation and potential abuse of indigenous rights in the Amazon, but also investing far more in more sustainable systems and growing markets like plant-based and then we can't forget the farmers themselves, right? So I think we're seeing more interest from farmers, largely from the brand requests, you know, brand setting targets. But I think more and more farmers are understanding that it makes good business sense to address these issues. You know, if you can be more efficient in the use of inputs, if you can diversify what you grow, if you can better understand how to manage your your land and dry productivity and do that whilst protecting the ecosystem that underpins your production system, then, you know, that's great for business in terms of selling more high quality product to market, but it's also meaning that you're going to be setting yourselves up for, for the future and making sure that you can continue to grow whatever you might be growing in 5, 10, 15 years time. Honor, are you seeing the same thing on the material side, like in terms of similar stakeholders or expectations? Yeah, I think it's similar, but there are probably some additional ones to add into the mix there. From the retail apparel brand perspective, there's a huge risk in not knowing where your products are coming from, the traceability of your supply chains. 
in apparel, we're working with a very globalized, fast paced part of the, the industry. And so it can be very hard to actually know the origin of where, you know, the cotton field that your T-shirt was actually coming from. And that presents a risk in terms of, you know, climate change is going to be impacting those cotton fields, for example. There might also be social risks that are coming into play further up the supply chain that will lead to the retailer or brand having a reputational challenge potentially when things become uncovered recently with BCI, the Better Cotton Initiative and harvesting of cotton in the Uyghur region of China. Yeah, really interesting to see how I think a lot of the challenges we're facing across all sectors is manifesting within this as well. So yeah, maybe on or carrying forward on that, you know, how are organizations and individuals, you know, whether that's the farmer or the retailers responding to these drivers and the scale of the challenge in front of us? I think the important thing to recognize is that this needs to be a systems change as we've been talking about. And it's not, we're not talking about engaging one farmer here and one farmer there. We need to have a consistent collaborative approach to how we improve the practices that are happening. And it's not to say that all these practices are bad, but I think there are certainly some improvements that we are and case studies that we're seeing where things like regenerative agriculture practices, for example, are both reducing inputs onto farms reducing emissions and increasing the sequestration of carbon and that becomes really powerful when you scale it up through the supply chain and you get to the retail level where the big retailers are starting to set their net zero targets for example target has just set their net zero target across their enterprise their own operations and supply chain by 2040 and they will be on the trajectory to be supporting that. And there are various different mechanisms, levers that can be used at the retail end to support those farmers in that transition to a more regenerative system. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. We need to recognise that we operate in a, a system and... You know, it's not as simple as saying stop growing this or stop eating that. You know, if you look at dairy as a, an example, we see that dairy is linked to significant greenhouse gas emissions. But if we then look at it through a systems lens, it provides a highly nutritious staple commodity for nearly every region of the world. And not only that, it's a primary source of income primary source of livelihood for hundreds of millions of people that are employed in the sector. And it also has a role to play in things like building soil organic matter, which has, you know, a positive impact on climate change mitigation. So, you know, it's not simple, it's complicated, it needs collaboration. I think we need to do two things. You know, we need to focus on sectors that have significant emissions, like dairy, and support those sectors drive down emissions through helping them to understand their issues, the interconnected nature of those issues, help transfer knowledge and benchmark and, and drive performance improvements 
and incentivize the sector to do so. I think we also need at the same time to help present the business case for transition to new business and operating models. And that can take a lot of different types of formats. You know, the end goal here is to create more longer term sustainable value. So for a farmer, it might be helping them understand the two or three practices that they can implement on farm that will mean that they are operating more responsibly, but more productively right to the other end of the spectrum with big businesses, investors, you know, convincing them that shifting their business models, developing new partnerships, acquiring new businesses that might support them mitigate the impact and rebalance the emissions that they're currently creating. So I don't think it's a one size fits all approach. If we also look at the intersection between these sectors as well at the macro level, I think with apparel in particular, we've got this huge driver of fast fashion. And I think there is a lot of momentum, growing momentum too, which I'm really encouraged to see about reducing the amount of virgin raw material, whether that's cotton, viscose, etc., going into those supply chains and into those products, because then we're not competing as much, or that sector is not competing as much with the agricultural sector. And I think if that plays out to the scale we'd like it to see, where materials are being recycled, there's a move to a, a more circular business model around like rental, for example, I think we'll be starting to see some positive impact on the on the food side of things too. Definitely. I'd be really interested to unpack some of those strategies a little bit further. But before we do that, I'd be curious kind of what you see as the macro trend of goal setting. Are you seeing kind of the agricultural sector drifting towards kind of a net zero ambition? Is that still kind of a niche goal setting aspect within that? How do, how do you see that, say, compared to other industries that seem to be pivoting pretty hard to either science-based approach or net zero ambition? From the retail side, I would say we're seeing the retailers kind of lead in this space because they're the ones that get the heat uh, most readily from the consumer and from other stakeholders in the space. But none of these retailers can hit their net zero targets without tackling the agricultural part of their supply chain. And so, yes, you're seeing these big goals being set at the retail level, at the brand level, but there's lots of activity and kind of sub goals that are really targeting the agricultural space. And they need to, they have to. The maths doesn't work, for example, if a third of your footprint is coming from the agricultural part of your supply chain. Yeah, from my perspective, it's becoming mainstream at lots of different levels. So at a national level, we're seeing government setting uh, net zero ambitions and integrating net zero into legislation. I talked about the brands as you know, individual organisations setting net zero targets, but actually pre-competitive ambitions around net zero. So there are a few instances within the UK where um, the Food and Drink Federation that represents a significant proportion of UK food and beverage manufacturing are setting net zero ambitions on behalf of UK food and Bev manufacturing. And goes back to the point that, you know, I think tackling these issues in isolation is not going to reach the 
the the scale as quickly as we need to it's going to require the public and private sector and organizations within the private sector to create closer bonds and relationships to address and deliver net zero yeah no really helpful to see kind of where that's going and maybe kind of transitioning to the what do people do about this you know, is there clarity and just a question of execution to get to net zero? Or is there still an element of, you know, Simon, you mentioned about two or three practices that can have a significant impact. Do we think that that's enough or there there's still a leap we need to figure out? Yeah, we don't have all the answers. You know, I think the issues are complex. The science and accounting methods for agriculture is constantly evolving. And, you know, I think we made that point clear that collaboration and innovation is is needed, but I think there's a few things that businesses can start to to think about if they're setting a, a net zero ambition. So firstly, there's an element of discovery. So as a business understanding the most material risks and impacts your business has and faces, but also considering the value that addressing those issues can create for your your brand you know, is really important. I think that as a first step can then help inform what level of ambition you want to take in addressing net zero and GHG emissions within your value chains. You know, what does leadership look like? What level of investment are you prepared to make? You know, how are you going to set a target and measure progress against that target? Now that I see is the first step. And then I think you know, beyond that, it's very much around understanding your your value chains, understanding, prioritizing who you want to work with or who you need to work with, you know, who you need to partner with in terms of supplier, but also technology, innovation, forums, and how do you measure success? If you start with those key areas, I think you'd be on your, your way to then commencing your, your ambitions around net zero and on your journey of discovery in, in terms of who you need to partner and work with to meet your ambition. I think one of the fundamental challenges is that it's really hard to measure the carbon sequestration in any particular given patch of soil, and it can be quite intensive to do it. One of the solutions I feel like at the moment is the focusing on the activities that a farm can do to improve rather than the actual carbon being taken out of the atmosphere and using that as a proxy, for example, making sure that any on-farm renewable fuel rather is coming from a renewable source, making sure that there's a soil management plan in place also, for example, can then become proxies for for best practice and therefore soil carbon sequestration. So by the time you scale that up through the supply chain and you're at the retail level where you're trying to report against a net zero target, you are not spending your time trying to get really detailed data from the supply chain. You're focusing on the initiatives, the education, the funding, all these other mechanisms that will support the move to a regenerative agricultural system rather than the the nitty gritty of measuring each ton of carbon. You have both emphasized the kind of complexity and the challenges that we're facing and the scale of what what needs to be addressed here. So I will definitely start paying a lot more attention to, to agriculture as we go forward. So I'm grateful for that. But just as we wrap up, 
I'd love to hear from each of you, like, and maybe honor starting with you. What's the key thing or things you want people to know about on this topic or to keep top of mind as I and others get more, more engaged on it? Honestly, I think that curiosity that you've been talking about is really key. Wanting people to re-engage or engage with where their food, where their clothes are coming from, how they're made, what they're made of, I think really helps drive like a whole learning process and uh, curiosity, as I say, to wanting to learn more and thinking about solutions and starting to dive into the topic. So that would be my two cents. This is a great response from Honor. I mean, I think recognising that this is very dynamic, but also recognising that there are a range of organisations already demonstrating ambition in tackling their emissions, in aiming for a net zero food system. And we need to take faith from that and hope from that. And what I think is going to be really important as we look to 2040 is the role that we need to play at a systems level in sharing learnings, you know, what works, what doesn't, creating new partnerships. Some of those might be pre-competitive and thinking about how we can embed emerging innovations and technologies and tools into the sector because those are the things that are going to give us the ability to transform the way that we produce and, and distribute and consume food. And they'll unlock great potential in us meeting our, our net zero ambitions. So there's probably a range of things to take away, but the fact that the ambition has already started is a great indicator of what's to come. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for the time and insight. You know, I really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners really appreciate it. And uh, thank you again. Thank you. Thanks. To learn more about our services in this area, we have an agricultural landing page on our site with lots of resources and links and an upcoming webinar hosted by Simon and Honor digging deeper into this topic of net zero in agriculture. As always, we love to hear from you and can all be reached at first.lastname at anthesisgroup.com or we'll include our information in the episode description. Thanks again and stay well.